another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. And so, so excited to be connecting this morning with Melbourne over there. We love you guys. And what a great three weeks we have in front of us. In fact, uh, I am like super pumped, not just pumped, but super pumped. And you might go, why? It's because I believe God is able to make a difference through every one of us. Come on, we're going to pray and uh, we're going to get into this morning's message. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the grace of this moment. We thank you, God, as we've worshipped and as we've just opened our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, that you've reminded us that God is in front of us and behind us. And over these next few weeks, as we just talk about the difference that you can make in and through us, that we'll hear your voice, not the strength of a human voice, but the sound of God in our spirits. We praise you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here we are in Legacy Month, and uh, if you've become a part of life just in the last 15 months, you may not be aware, but once a year, we just take up a special offering. We've done that for many years. In fact, countless thousands of people have committed themselves to being a part of creating what we now call a legacy. We call it H4, which is Heart for the House, Home for the Harvest. But we really, once a year, want to focus in on moving our efforts in our community in the kingdom and facilities forward. And again, whether we're in Melbourne or here in Auckland, New Zealand, we're on this one mission, which is to make a difference and make an impact on other people's lives. And it is already doing incredible things. In fact, I've often recounted what it was like for Marie and I 25 years ago. And some of you have heard the story, but when God was asking us to move to New Zealand, I'm a Kiwi by birth, but to move to New Zealand and leave what we were a part of, it's like, God, I'm not sure you've got the right people because this is beyond us. But as we began to communicate with God, I found myself saying, God, it's one thing to go and start a church, but it's a totally different thing to go in and to believe we could change a city. All right, I need to say that again for the, at least the Auckland service. Come on, to change a city means that you are going to do things we've never seen before. Not only change a city, but we are believing we could influence a nation. That in the years to come, there would be national transformation because of what God is doing through life. Not only that, but touch a world that the world would look on and go, what is it that's taken place down there in New Zealand and Australia, here in Australasia, that God is leading the way for something significant? You know, I found myself as I was preparing for these next few weeks going to Psalm 145. And if you have a Bible, you might want to look or it's on the screen. And the psalmist begins in Psalm 145 by saying these words. He said, and really, it's a life declaration. I will extol you, my God. In other words, the psalmist wasn't like, well, God, you need to come and fix my life up right now because I'm out of control. He said, you have met me. Now I want to do something with who I am that would lift up, that would extol, that would magnify who you are, my God and my King. Not only are you my God, but you're the one that directs the course of my life. He says, I will bless you and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. In my challenging days, I'll bless you. Come on, in my confused times, I'll bless you. I will praise 
your name forever and ever. And then it even gets more passionate. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. That's why I'm an advocate of if we're in church and we're around the things of God, we get really responsive. Because it's not just hype. But did we realize that God is for us? That God is the author, come on, of time. He was there before time and he's thereafter. Great is the Lord, come on, and greatly, not partially, but greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. In other words, there is no one that has been created by him that has gone to the end of his greatness. In other words, God has so much more in front of us. And then I love verse four. One generation will praise your what? Works to another generation. I'm not just buying into an ethereal relationship with a God I can't see, but actually the tangible works of God I'll take and I'll destroy. Uh, demonstrate to another generation and declare your mighty acts. You know, I'm going to inspire you hopefully over the next few weeks to stop and to think about what God's doing through you. Legacy is not just a pretty name. It's not just a change of a name from H4 to legacy. Legacy is about, did we really realize that we're on planet earth to make a profound difference in lifting God's name and declaring what he can do through us to a world that's asking a question, is God real? What kind of echo will your life truly make? What is it about you that is not just friends that are high-fiving you, but people outside are receiving an echo about what God is to you and what God has done in you and what God is now doing through you. Pretty huge. I found myself this week reflecting on this thought that many of us want to leave a legacy. But actually to leave a legacy, we need to live one. Legacy is not just something that comes to us in the mail. It's something that we determine that's the life that we're going to live. We're going to live a legacy. We're going to actually today... Live it out. And to live a legacy, you need to invest in one. You can't make a difference in anything unless you invest something of who you are. And life is always today. Many of us that have joined Melbourne, joined here in Auckland and become a part of the life, we don't realize what's got on before we arrived. How there were people just like you that have said, you know what? Our lives are going to tell for others around us. We're going to take this moment in history. It's an amazing thing that Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. And he says these words, let your good works, come on, glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, it's not so much what you believe, but how you live out your life that has a profound impact on those that are around us. Our 2020 vision, if you're new to life, is that, by 2020, the end of 2020, we will have at least $20 million every year going into community need. I still get excited about it. You go, why would you be so excited about that? Because it meets people that are in need right now. Come on, with the backing of a God-shaped spirit that brings more answers than just the human need. To do that, we believe that God is calling us to actually have our new central facility here in Auckland paid for. And you go, what do you mean? I thought 
We've just bought something in North. We've just bought something in South. We've just secured five acres of land in Auckland. And now we're going to build this building. Yeah, actually, we need to raise 40 million to have that first stage paid for. And of course, we're already saving in Melbourne so that we can have money to get a facility at the right time in the right way in the right place. And people have said to me, well, you know, how would we ever do that? Man, that's a lot of money. I go, actually, it's not a lot of money when you think God's called us to change a city. And if God is on it, then God is going to release a miracle that's bigger than our ability. Come on. His grace meets our gift and miracles happen. And I look at that and I think the enemy has been so committed to divide the church and make us small so he can weaken the impact of God. But I'm going to stand and say, no, we're in a moment of history. We've got God on our side. In fact, at Life Conference a few weeks ago, Pastor Brian Houston, who's Brian and Bobby are personal friends, pastors of the Hillsong Church, having incredible global impact. He said to me, he said, Paul, I know you've always done a great job and you've got a great church there, but there's something's happening in this conference. There's something. We get to go to a lot of places, but there's something. He said, do you realize it's only been the last five to eight years that we've had exponential growth at Hillsong? He said, you're about five years behind us. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to get your skates on as a church because you are going to see exponential growth. In fact, Pastor Luke told me this week, he said, you realize we just celebrated 12 months in a new uh, South building last week. I said, yeah, isn't that cool? He said, but here's even more cool, not just the building. But 12 months ago, we had an average attendance throughout the day of 750. We've got an average attendance now in excess of 1,600. You know, so when you think about what God is doing, again, here in Auckland and in Melbourne, it's got like God is setting us up for something that's far bigger than we could ever imagine. And I want you to hear God's got a place. God's got a purpose for who you are. Remember, to leave a legacy, you've got to live one. And to live a legacy, you need to invest into one and to see God take us to places. We, we, we if we're new to life, even if we've been around our life, we don't understand the half of what God is already doing through others that have had a legacy spirit. A spirit that said, you know what? God, we're going to do it your way and we're going to believe for a miracle. So today I want you to go to the screens and be inspired.
every generation has been given a God opportunity to create an echo that goes generationally. The truth is, in our giving, so many people to this point have committed through H4, Heart for the House, Home for the Harvest, to set a foundation to create what God has entrusted to us and see it become a reality. Today we're talking legacy because in our hearts we know there is a revelation that God has a mountain that can be conquered. And I've discovered over many years this incredible understanding that faith needs with it our application. Faith without works, James says, is dead. But when you know God's called you to something, you know that He always inspires many to rally around. I'm reminded of the parable in Matthew 25 of the talents, and many of us would be aware that the talents represent things we have. I wonder if we've ever thought about talents being a season of time, that actually we have been born for such a time as this, and it's what we're gonna do with this time, what we're gonna do with what has been entrusted, will determine what kind of echo will continue past us. I think it's true that we would all admit at times we're distracted by what we have, or even deceived when we don't have much by looking at it and saying that couldn't make a difference. But legacy understands our application and our heart commitment opens so much more for so many more people. And as I look back over 25 years, there is no doubt many have understood what it means to create a legacy because a foundation has been laid. And now before us, we have three and a half years until the end of 2020 to see what God could do, what kind of echo could begin to again surround this incredible nation and beyond because of the foundation that many have committed to invest into. Looking back, I see how God has led us. We began many, many years ago with an offering called World Reach. In fact, we had two and at times three annual offerings that came out of a heart of we wanna build something that sees God's kingdom here on earth become our reality. You know, it's always been about us impacting and changing the generations beyond us. Some of the memories I think it was 1994 where we felt like God wanted us to do something around Christmas. And we were the first to start Christmas in the park. An amazing time, a time where we needed miracles, a time where we needed God to move in, but to see 25,000 people come out celebrating not just Christmas, but the God of Christmas. I remember when God began to put on our hearts that Christmas time was a time where not only did He want people to know that He came to planet Earth, but He came with an answer. And that became the foundation of creating Christmas boxes, birthing in 2001 with this dream that we could help people. In fact, our foyers at church were filled with people contributing. We didn't even have nice boxes. So we began with banana boxes and we packed them in the undeveloped area of Mount Eden and to see 280 families about to be blessed and yet with a dream of 20,000. And even though Christmas boxes will continue to grow year by year, you know, the wider the what has never changed. It's so that we can show unconditional love to those 
who need it. That's legacy. I think Edwin was one of those people. Well, it was a Sunday. Me and my missus, we both went to, uh, went to work. I was working as an ambulance officer and uh, she used to do part-time at one of the bakeries in town. She woke me up uh, telling me that uh, she was going to go to the shops, get us some bread, some ice creams for the kids. And then uh, she was off. It was about, uh, say, 10, 15 minutes later, uh, one of my family up here saying that uh, there's been an accident up there, you should come. And she was lying in the middle of the road, uh, head facing down. I ran up to her and I was trying to wake her up. But uh, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't breathing. Oh, it affected us, it affected us. See, I've always, I've always relied on my, uh, my, my wife. Five girls, eight boys. They were all close to their mother. It was really hard. Really hard, you know? The day I uh, received uh, the Christmas box, she had this box in her, in her arms. And uh, I said, oh, you guys sure uh, you come to the wrong, right places with me? Uh, it was, uh, you know, really made my day, or, you know, really made my day. I'll never forget it. These, my kids were very happy. We really don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And yet Christmas boxes can reach a family of 13 children and cause them to believe, with all they'd been through, that there was a hope for the future. Can you imagine, as this year, we put together 20,000 in so many different countries, so many different settings, the miracles that will take place. The team here at Life, everybody that's a part of Life, I know we carry this passion to relevantly meet people where they're at. Years and years ago, I said, God, as I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying we needed to be on TV, that we wouldn't just do it the normal way where somebody would be preaching and we would echo what happened in church. How could we sit in front of a camera and say to people, there is hope and make it relevant so it could change lives? I'll never forget those first years as people began to email us back in about the touch of God that came through the program. Mind you, it wasn't all like that. I was taking some guests one particular Monday over to Waiheke Island and we were walking through the main shops and a couple of gentlemen stopped me and they said, you're not the guy that does the TV program, are you? That live TV program. I believe they were from the South Island. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's us. Uh, have you seen the program? They were people that, again, were interesting because their response is, when will you preach the real gospel? <laughs> kind of, I laughed a little, not trying to upset them, but it was like, what is the real gospel? Surely it's relating the love and the hope of God. And I believe that all of us, that's legacy. We're investing into bringing the God that meets our today 
And that's always been the driver behind producing Life TV with stories and relevant illustrations. And there is hope. And I believe it's reaching far more than we could ever realize, but it's because we're committed to creating an echo. I want you to take a look with me at Jeremy's story. I found out when I was working in one of the first flower shops that I ever worked in that there was a, a Kung Fu master giving lessons. And I went and got involved. After a few years of that, I was pulled aside and uh, it became clear that there were other, other roles within this, this uh, particular organisation. As a part of the involvement in this occult, uh, I then fell into reasonably serious drug dependency and this just progressed and I got worse and worse and worse. I put on the, the appearance of being a reasonably happy, functional guy, but deep down inside I was always falling apart. It was my birthday and I teamed up with an old associate, purchased drugs and had a bit of a standoff with him. A fight ensued. Next minute he was ringing his mates. His mates were coming around. And before I knew what was happening, I was out on the street. Um, yeah, and picked up a weapon, used the weapon. Uh, and this kid, is now fighting for his life in the intensive care unit at Auckland Hospital. Oblivious to even the damage that I'd caused, went home that night and went to bed and woke up the next morning to the sound of the Eagle police helicopter. They took me back to the cells. I soon entered Auckland Central Remand Prison. And then, yeah, about six months into the remand time, there was a guy, he was, a, he was an ex-gang member. He'd been fasting for about three or four days when he approached me one day. And I told him about some of my suffering. I told him about how I'd been addicted to drugs and alcohol. I told him about how my mental health had deteriorated. I told him about the medication I'd been on for over 12 years. And he just very simply looked at me and said, God can heal all that. And I just said, do it. Let's do it. What have you got? I've, I've lost everything. I've tried everything. There was nowhere left to go. And here he was. And I just said, let's do it. It was like the chains were just boom, broken. And it all just began to drain out of me. During this, this period, uh, it became known to me uh, that Sunday morning, there were church shows on and we had these little government edition TV screens that they'd supplied and I just turned it on and uh, you know some of the most memorable times that I had and I can honestly say this were when Pastor Paul would come on and deliver a sermon and they would talk to people about their problems and their encounters with God and what God has done for them their testimony and these, these testimonies had a profound impact on my life, you know? And I couldn't wait for Sunday to roll around to hear the testimonies on live TV. And it got to the stage where we'd rounded up all these other brothers in the unit and they were all being saved under direction from the Holy Spirit. We were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ out of a cell in a remand unit. 
amen, were being brought in by the Spirit. We were laying hands on them. And Sunday morning, we were all back together with our feet up, watching the testimonies on Life TV. It's immensely powerful the way we were incarcerated. We, we had no access to the outside world. But through this little screen, we were able to access people and their stories and their lives. And in that way, the TV is a powerful resource for the church. The truth is for all of us, we never really see the harvest of the seeds that we sow. I remember this dream beating in Maria, my heart for uniting churches and making the pastors commit to having a depth of relationship so that we could see this nation and beyond really have a kingdom spirit. We began with something we called Network New Zealand, going up and down the country every year, dozens of times, holding pastors round tables and just talking about the heart of togetherness. To be honest, I felt like giving up, but that kingdom spirit, which is what legacy is all about, how do we build the kingdom? This year for me, was where God just showed me how the seed produced a harvest when we had Open Heaven Auckland. Six of the main Pentecostal churches coming together with many other churches just to pray and to worship God at the start of this year. Such an, an event that was so successful. Next year, we're doing it again. And I love the fact that we're affecting pastors all over our nation and way beyond because of that kingdom spirit and it costs but it's worth it because how many know that each one of us can reach into all kinds of different places. It's great to hear what God is doing through the reach of life, even into Australia. Why don't you meet Mark? Been married 36 years, four children. They're spread right throughout the world, from Auckland to London to, to Adelaide and one at home. If you're born and bred in a community and you're five generations in a community, then you have to steward the ability to influence that community very well because you're not going anywhere. So therefore what happens is that when you build relationships in the community, they trust you and they trust you over a long period of time. They know that you're not going to fly by night. They're not, you're not going to be here one minute and gone the next. So I've been in this church for 26 years as senior pastor, and prior to that, it was another 10 years. I brought some of the team to Life Conference last year. It was like a fresh revelation for us. All of a sudden, we were seeing a church that was prepared to not just think of us as another church, but actually loved us enough to bring us into their world. And as a result of that, then they invited Gal and I to go to Nexus. And that is just a group of pastors where Paul and Marie just invested into us over a two or three day period. We picked up little things like, you know, like creatives, how to do that a little bit better, or next steps, how to do that a little bit better. But it's the spirit of life in that my team captured what a glimpse of City Hope would be in the future. In other words, they're sitting in life saying, you know what, this could be us in a few years. 
and they all of a sudden saw it. You know, the thing about investing in the legacy offering is that you may never, ever see the fruit from that investment. It means you're going to make investments in areas, for example, a church in Ipswich, that you may never see, you may never attend, and you may never meet anyone as a result of being at City Hope. But the offering that you give will see people coming to know Jesus Christ in a city that you may never visit. That's legacy. It is amazing to think as we commit together and allow God to lead us and sow our resources, how we can have seed in countries all over the world. I wonder what we can do literally in the next three and a half years. I wonder today whether you feel called to create a legacy. I wonder if you feel that God wants you to be part of the Life Legacy family. I know we can see what God's entrusted to us. Our 2020 vision become a reality. Can you imagine us being able to stand together in three and a half years and say, you know what? We've got 20 million plus per annum to help people in need, to show them there is a God that cares. To stand with a sense of credibility, a sense where we can see the church again regain its position as the cornerstone of society. Come on, let's give God. Come on to Melbourne, here in Auckland. Let's really thank God for what He's doing. I've come to realise that living a legacy releases someone somewhere often the people we've never met or will ever meet until eternity you know you watch those stories about lives that have been changed by people they've never met I think about my life born in Lower Hutt, New Zealand wagged most Fridays in my high school years And that God would take just a willingness to say yes to what seems most of the time as being impossible. Legacy is a profound concept that takes a number of things. I was reflecting on it. You know, I've discovered there are many people that love God in church regularly but don't live legacy. And the reason for that is because I think they fail or they don't understand that legacy lives an eternal view. It's amazing to me how many people can be in church globally, could have done all kinds of things, but yet they struggle with emptiness. Struggle on the inside. It's kind of like we're taught to believe that once we find our spouse, it'll be different. Once we get the business we're in to this level, man, it will be so cool. When, when we achieve this, when we get through that, when we are on the other side of the crisis, only to discover that our emptiness is not something that's fulfilled in today's living. It's fulfilled when we embrace legacy and live with a kingdom view. And maybe 
even today, it's kind of like as we gear up in three weeks' time, it's actually not about raising money. It's about releasing an echo of heaven here on earth, releasing us as individuals to discover things that maybe we never understood. I'm amazed how many, even business people, are distracted. They don't even realize really the force of the enemy, the, the deception of just living for the now rather than going, you know what? This now is for tomorrow. Every one of us have a level of volume coming at us that it's about me and my. And, but no, legacy lives this eternal view. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians 1 and verse 11. And I think sometimes we've so drifted from an understanding of what being born again and living in the King's purpose is all about. He addresses this thought of being gifted and graced and designed. And he says in verse 11, in Him, in Christ also, each one of us have obtained an inheritance. Being, listen to this word, predestined or ahead of time, according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. In other words, my release is discovering what I was designed for. My fulfillment, my answer is realizing as I live in Him according to what He wants of me, that I live a life of legacy. Legacy actually stalls when we live void of a kingdom focus. And you might go, but Paul, you know, here at Life, if you've been here for a while or recently you've become part of life, why is it that we're never stopping? Why is it that we're always stretching? Why do we have to raise the first stage of Central in three and a half years? Let's make it 30 years. And I go, you know what? God looks at 40 million. He doesn't see it like you see it. He looks at it and says, if we're here to change a city, it's going to need multiple amounts of that. And you go, well, I can't make a difference. Why? Because you're looking at the size of your seed. You're, I'm not here to do what I'm here to do. I'm not here to do what you're here. But we are all here to live a legacy. And I'm asking you. I'm saying, is this legacy that God's designed around the mission of life a part of your legacy? In this three and a half years, are you going to step into it? Let me go one step further. As long as there's a Jeremy in a remand center, we're going to keep stretching. Come on, whether you like it or not. You go, I don't want that kind of church. You know, people have said to me over the years, the trouble with life, it's too big. I don't like a big church. I'll tell you, I'll go there just for a moment. You know what? That's a very selfish attitude. Did you know that church wasn't just to make you happy and comfortable? Church was designed to disciple you so you can enjoy comfort, but to stretch you into the purpose that God designed you to carry. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And again, right across Auckland, right across Melbourne, we are being called to do something collectively that's going to change the cities we live in. It's going to change. What's the church, by the way, that you see? It's an amazing thing. This has become a passionate verse in the Message Bible, Ephesians 1, because it's in the same chapter of what we just read, verse 11. And it says, the church you see is not peripheral to this world. The, the world is peripheral to her. The church is Christ's body through which he speaks. Come on, through which he acts, through which he fills everything with his presence. We need to lift up our understanding of what it is to live with an eternal view. Everybody looking at me for a moment.
I'm not here ever to make you do anything you're not willing to do because God doesn't do that. But I am asking you, how much of your life is to do with kingdom? Which brings me to a second thought. You know, legacy literally increases on a platform of self-denial. That's why it's costly. It's like three and a half years, Marie and I are going, well, what level of self are we going to die to, to do what God's positioning for us to live? And, you know, me first is such a plague within today's society. Paul writes, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, actually for me, get his mindset, for me to live is Christ. I'm not going to do anything about me first. It's about what does God want first? To die is gain. If we were to be at that place just for a moment, if we were to live that, we wouldn't find praying and fasting hard. We wouldn't find the extra level of seeing a world change because of our response hard. We wouldn't find obedience hard. No, no, no. For me to live is me. It's to get what I need to get. And when I get that, God, I'll, I'll do something more. And Paul says, no, it's the other way around. For me to live is Christ. That's where, again, the emptiness goes. That's where the confusion goes. That's where the power of the past goes. To die is gain. Then he goes on and says, actually, I'd rather go home to heaven. Most people I meet go, I don't want to go to heaven yet. I want to play with the grandkids some more. Come on. I want to enjoy my marriage. I want to enjoy my future business. I want to enjoy that. Paul says, no, I'm past all of that. I died to self. He says, however, and this is legacy. I'd rather go home to be with Jesus. But it's going to be better for my world and the people in this world for me to stick around. Because I'm a legacy person. I'm going to actually cause something to happen see legacy values someone else's tomorrow more than the focus of our own today it's kind of like I'm here to see people's lives that maybe I'll never meet I choose to do that and I want to break through in that I think as we go forward you know I would like both in Melbourne and here in Auckland our hosts to come and hand out some journals and you know you may say to me well Paul I, I don't understand a whole lot about this legacy well inside the journal this year we'd love you to take it this week and read because you're going to discover what it is we're doing why we're doing it and how we could see this kind of miracle take place and it's going to be pretty exciting for us to be able to do that in fact this thought as I've said that I want you to take home is that if we are going to leave a legacy, all of us need to live a legacy and to live a legacy, we need to invest something into that legacy. And inside of this, as you get this, I know you'll be tempted to read it, but just enjoy it. It is a diary. So you could take just even your own musings with God and write them in. You could use it. If you're still writing with pen, a message notes, whatever you want to use it, but inside it, it has the what, the why, and the how. And I want you to take some time this week just to read through and say, God, is this for me? Is this for us? Are we going to be a part of the thousands of people that are going to make a difference? Come on, in our day, in our generation, in this time slot. In fact, excited by what's happening in Melbourne. We're believing in Melbourne. We're going to raise through our legacy offering 325,000. We, we, we in Melbourne alone, we're going to lift our Christmas boxes from 2,500 to 3,000. And uh, it's an amazing thing to see what God is doing. And we're already putting money aside for the facilities that Melbourne needs in the future and the right timing. So we're being wise stewards. And 
I just want to encourage you here at Life in Auckland and Melbourne, you're a part of this. We're about to move in to an incredible, incredible miracle. If you haven't been around, you will not know the journey of the last five years. Five years ago, we had $23 million worth of debt. In the last five years, we purchased our new North facility, a new South facility, and we have five acres in Auckland that we're beginning to build on. And you can see the kind of outside of the building that we're going to build onto that property. And we are already debt-free with where we're at. And now we need to raise the money to build the building. This is somewhat of the foyer. We're going to just go through those pictures quickly. You can see through there just different perspectives next to that wall called Welcome Home. There's another foyer through there. So people will have plenty of room after services to stay and connect and have good coffee. It's pretty amazing. Our kids area is so huge that we have got more than enough room for the auditorium to be packed and us to look after. There's a picture of the auditorium from the back, a rendered version of what it's going to look like. It's going to be something like we've never had before with car parking on more than one location. And uh, we're pretty excited by what God is doing through that. And all of us are a part of that. In fact, next week, and it's going to be impossible for Melbourne to do this, but next week, I want you to look at me. I'm asking everyone, every campus that's a part of life to make a decision to not only come to the service, but straight after the service, all of us are going to go across to our new facility. And as individuals, couples or families, we're going to go and we're going to with a vivid right onto the walls before they're covered. Come on, we're going to prophesy over what God's going to do in our city. We're going to prophesy, let me say it again, over what we're going to see God do in the future years. And all of us, I'm asking you, come on, let's be in prayer. Even this week, we're going to Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday night. Same in Melbourne. We're going to have three nights of prayer and fasting. We're going to believe God to lead us. You might not be able to come to all three. If you can, we want you to come, at least come to one. You go, yeah, but you know, 7.30 to 8.30, kids need their food. Hey, we're talking about the destiny of generations ahead. It's not often I'm that strong, but I'm saying, come on, let's all get together. Let's fast and pray. Next Sunday here in Auckland, let's go to the site and let's prophesy legacy into the future. Because to leave a legacy, come on, we need to live one. To live one, we need to invest into one. And the wonder of God and what He can do in and through that is profound. This morning, New Zealand time and it's last week Melbourne time. I got up early and uh, I was finishing off preparing. Once I did that, I flicked on the TV to watch the America's Cup. And uh, if you know anything about it, it's finally paused. New Zealand is facing Sweden's boat Artemis in the playoff as to who will race for the America's Cup. Three races this morning is the beginning of the first to five. It's one all in the third race. Something happens that was unexpected on Artemis, the helmsman, Nathan Outeridge ran across the boat as they tacked and he slipped over the boat and into the water. He's the helmsman. Then all of a sudden there seemed to be chaos on the boat when they realized he was in the water. They couldn't pick him up, but somebody had to get onto the helm to steer the boat. It lost speed and it lost direction. I watched that and I was reminded in the prayer meeting about the significance of those that are called to take the lead. Did you know that the church, whether you understand this or not, has been called to be the helmsman for every city, both here in Auckland and there in Melbourne. 
If we don't take the lead, we don't have speed and we don't have direction. And I believe with all my heart, I hope you're hearing this. It's time for the church to stop blaming the devil. Get back on the steering wheel and do what God's called us to do and lead the way. You may say, but Paul, you don't know my situation. I've got nothing. The enemy wants to rip you off when you see what you have is nothing. When you see, come on, that what you have is seed. Seed tomorrow today. The seed that you have is more than enough. You don't have to be anyone else, but you need to understand God created you. Come on, He's called you to live and lead a legacy. Together, we can make a profound difference. Can we pray? Come on, let's pray and believe God. Father, we thank you that each one of us have not just been saved so that we'd avoid hell and live with you in eternity, but we were saved with purpose, with design, with call and with grace. And right now we just pray that God, you would reach inside our hearts and prepare us for what that looks like and where you want to lead us. And we give you the glory for that. We thank you, God, that we are in a moment in history where greatness is already taking place. We honor you for that. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.